Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Talking Circles, I am Clayton Caldwell with my co-host, SpeedwayMedia.com's John Harlow, as we bring you another great episode tonight of Talking Circles. We'll discuss the possibility of Danica Patrick. Will she retire? Made some interesting comments last week. We'll discuss that. Also, that might that leads to a lot of interesting things. Who drives a 10 car next year? If there is a driver in that car, will they sell that charter? A lot of interesting speculation going on from our on our side of things. We'll discuss that. Matt Kenseth, new sponsor this weekend, Circle K, will be on the car for Kenseth's number 20 Toyota this week, this year for six races. Good sign. We'll discuss that. Also, we'll give our mid-season team performance charts. We'll talk about each organization and team, rank them on a five-point scale. Has your team been great, good, okay, bad, or should they have stayed home? We'll discuss all that, and we'll take your phone calls, 917 917- Eight eight nine eight two eight zero here on Talking in Circles. But John, we'll start with sort of the news of the week. One of the NASCAR's most more popular drivers, I should say, is Danica Patrick. She made some interesting comments to the Associated Press, saying, "Quote: uh, As long as it's fun, and it hasn't been super fun lately, regarding her retirement when she will still race. As long as it's fun, and it hasn't been super fun lately, but I, but every year I start the year, and I always have hope that it." going to be the year that things are going to click. I understand my career hasn't progressed. Maybe it's regress. Why is that? Am I worse driver than I was a couple of years ago? Probably not. I don't think anybody gets worse, so it's really a matter of factors all around you. Not very encouraging signs uh, if you're talking about Danica Patrick's career, John, going past the 2017 season. Um, obviously, we know her sponsorship was with Nature's Bakery, now in sort of a legal suit with Stuart Haas Racing. Your thoughts on Danica Patrick? Will she run after the 2017 season, John? I don't think so. I really don't think it's there for her. Um, Danica just doesn't, hasn't progressed at all, like you said. I mean, and they've tried every possible way of doing it better. They've gone through three different crew chiefs. I mean, she had Zippy. She had uh, actually four different crew chiefs. She had Zippy. She had um, Old Man Tony going on there. She had uh, Daniel Canost. She also had now um, Billy Scott now. Billy Scott. So she's four crew chiefs in her what, six years in Cup. And mm-hmm. there's been nothing to write home about. Um, she had a problem whenever GoDaddy had got a new CEO and they pulled out of the sport, wound up with Nature's Bakery. And Nature's Bakery just wasn't the real deal. I mean, we kind of all suspected something wrong with nature's bakery whenever they signed on, but she hasn't done it at all. I mean, she's had a few top tens, but nothing major. I mean, her big claim to fame still is winning the pole for Daytona in her first cup race. After that, it's been nothing. Um, I think her relationship with Ricky Stenhouse is getting to the point where she, I think she wants to be a mom. Uh, If you look at Nicole Briscoe on ESPN, her and Danica went to high school together. And she sees Nicole and Ryan Briscoe and sees them with their 
uh, happy family going on there. She's got to get something's got to be in there clicking saying, Hey, I'd really like to be a mom. And you see all the young kids running around the driver's lot. You see Kyle Larson with a young kid, Denny Hamill with a young kid, Keselowski with a dumb kid or young kid, not a dumb kid, but the biological clock's ticking on Danica for her to be able to have kids. And I think her and Stenhouse are getting ready to settle down and that's a possibility. But the idea of her not regressing as a driver, I'm not sure about that. I mean, she hasn't progressed. She hasn't gained any progress. And the equipment she's got, if it's the same equipment they're given Harvick and Bush and um, Clint Boyer now, I mean, they're all top 15 in points. She's 29th. And Boyer is running with Stewart's old team, and Stewart didn't light the world on fire last year. So it's a much different thing. I mean, everybody's all got new Ford stuff. So I, I think I don't think the problem is Billy Scott. I don't think the problem is Stuart Haas Racing. I don't think the problem is Ford or Chevy. I think the problem is Danica Patrick. She just doesn't have it at this level. And it's a lot different driving four open I mean, open wheel cars with half the weight twice the downforce as it is driving a cup car with twice the weight and half the downforce. Gosh, where do I even start, John? I mean, there's so much to take in here about about her career and how it started. I mean, remember correctly, she ran in the Xfinity Series for 10 races, and then she ran Cup, still going in between IndyCar, which while, while still running a full IndyCar schedule, she was running Cup races, which I thought was stupid. Um, to me, she should have started in, in NASCAR and stayed in NASCAR, and I always thought she needed more year, more seasoning in the Xfinity Series. I don't care what driver you are. Juan Paul Montoya came here from IndyCar. A very much more, much, much more successful career than Danica had in Formula One and IndyCar. He came over to the Cup Series and really struggled. Now, Montoya's team wasn't nearly as strong as what Danica's team has proved. Ganassi there for years had, had struggled. You know, even Martin Trucks Jr. wasn't running very good with those race cars. Uh, Jim McMurray wasn't running very good with those race cars. And we saw some bright spots from Montoya. Montoya wasn't as bad as we've seen from Danica Patrick. So I think she went very much would have benefited from years in the Xfinity Series, maybe four years in the Xfinity Series. And you're going to say, that's crazy. But to me, it's not, because she, she had to completely unlearn everything she learned in any car and run in NASCAR. You know, we saw a, a dirt driver try and, try and do something similar to Danica in the 1990s, who was a the best, and still is, and still was before he retired, the best dirt, one of the best dirt racers we've ever seen, dirt sprint car races we've ever seen, Steve Kinzer. And Kinzer tried to do this in Cup and came in 1995 season fully committed to running in the Cup Series, and it was an absolute disaster. And I thought Kinzer, like Danica, should have run more, way more. Kinzer should have run way more in Xfinity than he did, or in Bush Series back. Probably would have benefited, and it would have helped his career. But the same issue really forced her her and Kinzer to the Cup Series, and that's simply sponsorship. GoDaddy.com wanted her in the Cup Series. They said, why would we leave IndyCar? Why would we leave the elite IndyCar Series and go to the second division in NASCAR and sit there for four years? That doesn't make sense from the promotionally-wise. You want to go where the eyeballs are. You want to go where everybody the series that everybody cares about and that's the Cup Series, and I think that hurt Danica. Listen, she has not performed. 
You mentioned Tony Stewart last year. Yes, Tony Stewart did not run good last year. He had more top tens last year than Danica Patrick's had in her entire career. Just keep that in mind. That's that's the level we expect from Tony Stewart. We expect Tony Stewart to be a championship caliber race car driver. He had more top tens in what? He missed he missed ten races last year. He had more top tens last year than Danica's had in her entire career. That is a, an, an unbelievable stat when you think about that. And it just shows you how far off she is from where she needs to be. She is because she just doesn't perform. Listen, I don't want to hear anything about Hendrick. She ran the Hendrick Motorsports engine and chassis for the first four years of her career. And, yeah, has it been a growing curve this year? Absolutely. I don't think Harvick's run the way he's wanted to. I think Borders run pretty good. I don't think Kurt Busch, aside from the Daytona 500s, run the way he wanted to. And maybe Danica's struggling this year. But if it was just this year, John, I would say, you know what? It's just this year. It hasn't been. She has, she has regressed. She has not run good. And, again, I'll hammer it home. As bad as a year as we thought Tony Stewart had last year, he had more top tens last year than Danica Patrick has in her entire career. Just keep that in mind. And that, to me, John, that's the biggest thing. She just hasn't performed. I think it was an interesting point you brought up with Steve Kenzer coming to Cup. I'm a diehard wing sprint car fan. And any chance I could see the King run on dirt, I did. And King meaning Steve Kinzer when it comes to dirt. There's a difference between Steve Kinzer and Dave Blaney. Steve Kinzer was a World of Outlaws champion 20 times over. Dave Blaney won it once. But Dave Blaney, when he decided to come to Cup with Bill Davis Racing, ran the Bush Series for three years before they brought him up. If you remember when Tony Stewart came to the Cup Series, Lauren Rainier wanted, they had signed him. He'd run a few Bush races back then, and he want, they wanted to take him to Cup right away. And he said he's not ready. And when he went to Joe Gibbs, and Joe Gibbs went to sign him, he said, I'm not ready yet. I, I need another full season in the Bush Series. And Tony didn't set the world on fire in the Bush series, but whenever he got the cup, it was a whole different world. If you look at Jimmy Johnson, he wasn't anything in the Bush series. And then when he got to Hendrick Motorsports, whole different world. Danica did not do well with Junior Motorsports either whenever she was driving the Xfinity car for him. Mm -hmm. I just, it isn't there. And a couple years, learning curve, all that stuff, it's not there. Her boyfriend, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., if you look at Roush Fenway Racing, they've struggled lately, struggled for the last few years. I don't think Danica's beaten Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in points yet. <laughs> I don't think so either, John. That's a great point when you put it in that, that perspective. And, and listen, I'm not trying to, to, to hammer the set says, you know, um, but I'm just trying to pull out the facts and just say, hey, listen, this is what reality is. And it's unfortunate because I wrote a, a piece in the newsletter for Front Stretch today about NASCAR's female drivers. And when you think the female driver crop in NASCAR past Danica Patrick, it's not very good. Um, there's Jennifer Jo Cobb, who has yet to run a, a truck race this year. Her career has basically almost – is probably close to ending. Um, and then you've got three drivers in NASCAR's development series, none who have development deals – and none who have a clear path to the next level. So it's kind of sitting there going, hmm, 
who's going to be NASCAR's first female winner, whether that be in the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, or the Cup Series? And I think for a lot of people, that answer was Danica Patrick. And listen, even when she came over, there was a lot of people going, oh, she ran good in IndyCar. Listen, she, she did fine. But again, I just thought she needed more, um, you know, experience in the Xfinity Series. You mentioned Dave Blaney. Great point. You, met, you said Dave won it one year. The one year Dave won the World of Outlaws Championship, Steve Kinzer was playing around in the Cup Series. That's the truth. And, and Dave's a great driver. And he had a good career in NASCAR. And he made it, you know. And, and Danica made it too in Cup. Now, she, she was very benefited from the fact that she was a beautiful girl who could sell sponsorship. No doubt about that. That benefited her immensely. But to me, the fact that she, to come out and people say she didn't have the equipment to me is crazy because she did. And I think she knows she did. Um, she tried, but I think at the end of the day, it was more of a show, per se. You know, and I always point to the fact that she jumped in front of a camera when she was 27th in points, one race doing Mikey's grid walk or something stupid like that. And, and it was just, you know, and I'm an old school guy, and maybe that I'm overreacting to that immensely. But the way I looked at it was if Dale Earnhardt or Richard Petty or Jimmy Johnson, for that matter, jumped in, was 27th in points, and five minutes before they go throw the green flag, just jumping in front of the camera, listen, they wouldn't be doing that. I'm telling you that right now. They would be focused and saying, we got to get our stuff together. It's just a different thing. It was just a different thing with Danica, in my opinion. And, and listen, I wish her all the best. She's, she's a great business girl. She's going to make millions of dollars outside of NASCAR. She's probably going to be a great mother. She's going to be a, a great wife to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. No doubt about it. And I wish her all the best. But at the end of the day, she just didn't perform here, John. I think one of the things you look at when it comes to Danica is I think Joanna Long is somebody who was kind of hurt by Danica being there. Joanna Long won the Snowball Derby, which is the premier late model event there is. Bush has run it and won it. Eric Jones won it. Uh, Chase Elliott's won it. Joanna Long won the Snowball Derby, and she came to the Xfinity Series and never had decent stuff she was always fighting to make the field but she was a good driver and she's now gone away there are a couple development i mean a couple people in the a uh, couple females in the uh, nascar next group but they're not attached to any big teams and i think some of the big teams are looking at danica and it may have set women back in nascar more than it set women forward because Danica came as the perfect package. She won once in IndyCar on a mileage race, but it's still a win. She always ran good at the Indy 500, but she was a 10th, 11th place car whenever there are only seven, eight really good cars. So, and Andretti Autosport was a good team. And she was always in the back of the pack when it came to Andretti Autosport, when it came to their teams. She ran well for Bobby Rahal, but, GoDaddy went with her to Andretti Autosport because she thought it was a better team. She went to better equipment and went backwards. I don't know what it is. It's just something that Danica does not have. I mean, she's willing to go out there and drive 200 mile an hour, but I don't think she's got the, um, just that extra knack, that killer instinct that when you heard 
the one year they were doing the Brickyard and Harvick's leading and Stewart's catching him. And you hear Stewart on the radio, hear kitty, 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 because he's coming to get Harvick. And he passed him and won the Brickyard 400. The only thing you hear out of Danica on the radio is her griping about somebody who may have cut her off or she didn't think gave her enough room. It's NASCAR. You make your own yeah. room. Yeah. Listen, it, it to me is, is, it's clear um, that it, it's just, you know, and I don't want to call her NASCAR career disappointment because I don't think it was. And I don't agree that she sent women back. You know, she made more starts than any woman has ever made in NASCAR. And that is a, a step in the right direction for them. Um, right? I just don't think the crowd, I think the way, and this is going to sound really, really awful before, and I don't want to get off topic here, but I'll make this point. The way we view our women race car drivers in NASCAR now, and maybe all racing out, I can't vouch for any car, I can't vouch for Formula One, I can't vouch for, you know, dirt racing and stuff like that. But the way we view our female drivers, and maybe it's just that sports male dominated, to me, is, is wrong. You know, you have to be beautiful, it seems like, or at least pretty, it seems like, to sell sponsorship and to get a ride in NASCAR. And to me, that shouldn't be the issue. Uh, the issue should be whether or not they can perform on a racetrack. And Danica had, both, like you said, the whole package. She was pretty, and she could perform on a racetrack when she was in IndyCar. Um, you know, and to me, it should be about talent. They shouldn't. It shouldn't be a matter whether or not they can take their clothes off on TV, whether or not you know, uh, they had, you know, we've seen in every magazine possible. That shouldn't matter. What should matter is the performance on a racetrack. And at the end of the day, I think once we start viewing women race car drivers the same as male race car drivers where performance on a racetrack matters, I think women, female race car drivers would be much more beneficial than, than they are right now. 917-889-8280. John, you know, to continue this point here, What's Stuart Haas's next step? Um, obviously, we both agree she's not going to be back in the car in 2018. Um, you know, there's immediately trying to think of, okay, well, what's their next step? Who's the next driver in that, in that 10 car? W- could they possibly even sell that charter and say, listen, we'll be a three-car operation. That's what Gene Haas wanted to do. Beginning, we don't have the sponsorship in our fourth car. We'll sell the charter. Get out from underneath it. Will be a three-car operation, and we'll be better for it. What are your thoughts on that fourth car there over there at Stuart Haas Race? Now they're a four-car team. Once Gene Haas brought Kurt Busch into the fold, they're a four-car team, and Gene Haas is proud to have four cars now, and he wants four competitive teams. And I just don't think Danica is the driver. I think the equipment's there to be competitive, and I think next year, after a full year with understanding what the Fords do and what the engines can do with them and how they get them tuned up, it's going to be a tough year for Stuart Haas. I still think. I mean, Kurt Busch is already in the playoffs. Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick by points right now would qualify for the playoffs, and I really expect Harvick to win soon. I really expect Clint Boyer to win soon. I think the learning curve on Ford is going to come quicker than most people think. I don't think Danica is going to learn. I think Billy Scott's a good crew chief. Um, I can see, I mean, I predicted a couple weeks ago, Kenseth in the 10 car. Joe Gibbs wants to bring Eric Jones back under the fold. He's a young, hot driver that Toyota loves. And Matt Kenseth has done well for Joe Gibbs Racing. But Joe Gibbs Racing hasn't, 
I mean, if you look, when Kenseth came to that team, Home Depot and Dollar General were full season. They didn't have to go piece by piece and announce a Tide sponsorship for three race or a Circle K sponsorship like they did today for six races. That 20 car was fully sponsored. There was no blink of an eye of what was going on that car. Now they're struggling to find sponsorship for the 20 car. They want to bring Eric Jones back into the fold. Daniel Suarez isn't going anywhere, and Daniel Suarez is going to, I mean, unless the learning curve happens quick for him, he could be the international version of Danica, just like Juan Pablo Montoya was. But he's got the sponsorship behind him. I can see Matt Kenseth going into that 10 car for a couple years until he retires or until Cole Custer gets enough Xfinity time under his belt so he can slip into that ride. I think Kenseth is a perfect guy to go in that 10 car. Um, we'll see if Carl Edwards wants to come back. That's a possibility. Uh, I don't know who else is in the silly season thing. And I'll tell you flat out, if Gene Haas and Tony Stewart could, they back up a Brinks truck, uh, Kyle Larson's house, drop it in the front yard and negotiate a heck of a settlement with Chip Ganassi. If they had their way, Kyle Larson would be in that 10 car. They wanted Kyle Larson in the 14 to begin with. Listen, that would be a, a monumental move, no doubt about it. And with the sponsorship woes, not the sponsorship woes, but the question of Target not being committed for 2018 yet on that 42 car could play into that role. And listen, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we don't know for sure if Danica is going to be out of that car. But we, I believe she will be. And, you know, we'll probably be talking about this at nauseum because it's only April 19th and we're discussing it right now. And I'm sure by the time we get to July, August, and September – we'll have a much more clear picture of where that 10 car is going to be. Goodness. I don't want, I don't want to see them rush Cole Custer up because I think Cole Custer, they look at him as the future. And when you just, I just said about Danica Patrick, I felt she was rushed a little bit when she got to the cup series. Uh, I don't want to see anything happen to Cole Custer. where He only had one year Xfinity and got rushed into the cup series. Um, and, struggled for five years, and then all of a sudden was out of a ride. Like we saw sort of a Joey Logano there at Joe Gibbs Racing who had to leave Joe Gibbs Racing, and now he's hit a stride over there at Team Penske. Um, but goodness, I don't know who's who would be in that car. It's an interesting question because if not Carl Edwards, then I don't know who. And, and listen, Carl Edwards, and maybe it's because the fact that we just can't think of anybody to replace uh, Danica in the 10 car, and Carl Edwards is such an obvious choice due to the Ford ties, due to the fact that um, there's a rumors that he's getting paid lots of money to sit out. Um, but these, you know, people in the industry have, have continued to, to linger and say, hey, listen, this is a possibility. Carl Edwards is a possibility. I don't know if it is, obviously. I don't, I mean, I don't think it is, but we've seen crazier things happen. Um, with that being said, you know, do you go even the Greg Biffle route, where Biffle being out of a car for for a year, and say we'll throw him in the ten as sort of a placeholder until Cole Custer's ready? Uh, you know, he's won races in the Cup Series. Do you go the route of maybe uh, a guy like Landon Castle or somebody like that who's, you know, hasn't had that big shot yet in the Cup Series, but maybe has earned it by the way he's run in the 34 car and the 38 car the last couple of years? Do you go, um, you know, help out Jack Roush for a year and put Chris Buescher in a 10 for a year and keep, you know, Roush with, under the Buescher, ban- Bush under the Roush banner, but we're driving a 10 car. Lots of possibilities, John. Um, but, you know, 
I, I think Ken's still locked up with Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, you know, I think Ken's going to be there for a while. I don't think we're going to see him move now. There is that Barney Visser came out and said, listen, Jarek Jones is on a one-year contract at Furniture Racing, and Joe Gibbs Racing is going to want him back. Uh, he said that earlier, you know, last year, it seemed it, when Eric Jones was signed there. So that is a possibility that we could see Jones moving into the Cup Series, um, into the Joe Gibbs Racing team in the Cup Series from Furniture Racing. Uh, and maybe it is Matt Kenseth. But I think it's just it's so early in the game right now, I'm not sure what tips are even on the table. The other one to think about is if Roush stays as a two-car team and they want to bring Busher back into the fold, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. could go to the 10 car. Ricky came up driving for Tony Stewart in the USAC series. Tony was joking at one point. He says, I'm glad he went to Roush. He tore up his equipment and not mine while he was learning the game. But I think Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is turning into a pretty darn good driver. He's going to be the best of the Roush Fenway team this year. But again, it's one of those things. He doesn't have the sponsorship behind him. Um, Trevor Bain has Advocare in his back pocket. Stenhouse, they've had to piece it together. They've had Fast and All there for a few races. But they also, I mean, you look, they're putting Sonny D on the car and uh, pulling out all kinds of sponsors week after week, just hoping to make it from week to week with that 17 car. I think Stenhouse could end up coming to the 10 also. That's another possibility because I believe his contract's up this year. Um, the other part with it is when you look at Stuart Haas racing, not only is Danica talking about the possibility of retirement and different things like that, they're looking still to get sponsorship on that 14. There's a lot of Haas automation races so far. They've had one rush truck center. They've had one mobile one, but Haas automation has been on that 14 car a lot. And I think they're going to want to get that thing settled as well. I mean, Clint Boyer's going out and showing sponsors, Hey, Come come sponsor me. I'm driving well. I'm turning this thing around. But right now, the 14 car is another out of Gene Haas's pocket. No doubt. And that makes you even wonder even more. Um, they might have to go with a driver who has a little bit of sponsorship with them for that 10 car, if that's the case. You know, and Gene Haas got a lot of money, and I don't think they're hurting financially at all on that team. But you would like to have somebody with sponsorship. And if Carl Edwards said in July, listen, I'm com- I want to be back next year, I took the half a year off and got sort of recharged the battery a little bit, I'm ready to go. Uh, you sit there and you go, okay, Carl would sell the crap out of a sponsor. There's no doubt about it. He would. He is a sponsorship dream. He can win. He's a nice guy. He's everything you want, which is why he's been successful in this sport. Um but until then, you know, it is up in the air. I could see them maybe going the route of, you know, we just don't have the sponsorship. This charter's good. We'll give it a, well, you know, because there might be some teams below, for, uh, you know, like the JTG team, which is leasing a charter from Jack Roush this year, where they say, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll buy your charter. Um, so there might be some teams that would need that charter that might, it might fall to them. So, Again, it's very early in the game, but it's it's something fun to talk about because it's just it's a big ride, no doubt about it. If if they do say, you know what, we're committed to a four corporation, that is a big ride for somebody to jump into. Speaking of Kenseth, John, um, it was announced today that that Circle K will be the sponsor of number twenty car for six races. 
a good sign for Joe Gibbs Racing and, and that kind of thing. Now, you said you made a good point where you know, that car was never had sponsorship issues, but at least they're selling some sponsorship on that car. You know, they, they uh, announced the peak deal. They announced this deal here with Circle K. It seems like more and more sponsorships getting sold to Matt Kenseth. And listen, I love Matt Kenseth. I think Matt Kenseth is a great driver, good veteran driver, who, you know, the right way through the through the Xfinity Series with a with a guy who he ran against in the short tracks of Wisconsin, and then worked his way up into a deal with Roush Fenway with Jack Roush, and you know flourished, won a championship, and he's been a solid competitor in the Cup Series ever since. And there was speculation, John, we might even touch on it on last week's show, that Matt Kenseth might even retire from that at the end of the, you know, there's speculation they might retire. They might announce his retirement today because there was not a lot of um, known facts about the announcement. That obviously is not the case. I hope Kenseth runs for years and years. Uh, but Circle K, on the number 20 car for six races, what are your thoughts real quick on that? I think it's a good thing for NASCAR. I mean, Joe Gibbs brought another new sponsor in. Uh, Circle K's never sponsored in the sport before. Well, they sort of did a, back in the day a little bit with um, the 37 with Cranifaus. They were on there whenever Kmart was on as well. But it's new to the sport after being out for years. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a test drive for them. I mean, six races isn't going to kill Circle K. And they have uh, stores in 41 states, so it's not like it's a – regional chain like or something small like nature's bakery was circle k can afford to bill i think it's a good thing for nascar i really would like to see be able to have a solid sponsorship for the year it's sort of like that last year when he was at roush uh when they had crown royal for a little bit and then they backed out and he was after um dewalt backed away from the 17 and went with marcus ambrose at the nine i mean they weren't they were struggling to put sponsorship on the car. There was times it was Ford EcoBoost, and that's never a good thing when Ford EcoBoost is on your car because that means somebody's putting the bill out of their own pocket this this week, and it's not Ford paying for it. They're pay, they're giving Ford the hey, here's Ford EcoBoost boost for all the support you give us. I'd love to see Kenseth in a fully sponsored car. Matt Kenseth is a solid driver, but he's also in the day of it is now. He's long in the tooth. He's pushing forty five. I mean, you look back in the day when Mark Martin and all those guys, they'd be driving into their 50s. These guys now make a lot of money. They don't have to drive into their 50s. Now he's got the young girls at home. He can stay stay home with his wife and stay home with his wife and kids and be a dad. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And and he is the older elder statesman now in the Cup Series, which is hard to believe, uh, considering he started his career in 2000. But I think he. Sort of got a re- rejuvenation when he went to Joe Gibbs Racing. He's driving fast race cars, and the team is off to Joe Gibbs Racing is off to a slower start this year than what we've seen um, than in previous years. They've been fast in previous years, um, really fast. And this year, it just seems like they've kind of gotten out of the gate. They've stalled a little bit, but some of these racetracks from up Bristol, Richmond, Talladega, good racetracks for a team that's struggling to sort of rebound and get the momentum pointing in their direction. And I think Joe Gibbs Racing can do that. They got a lot of great drivers. Who are good short trackers there, especially the the three veterans there, um, and they can sort of right their season and get it on track here in these next three. That's something to keep an eye on. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here. If you want to join the conversation on talking circles, um, we'll we'll start our team chart here, John. Now, a our 
mid-season team charts. Now, a little bit different than we've done in years past, um, but I think with the off weekend last weekend, it's fun to sort of dive into this. Uh, you know, I think in years past, we might have given them a, letter, a number grade, which to me is kind of hard to say because, you know, obviously a team like uh, Rich Bay Motorsports or, or Front Row Motorsports might not grade as well as a team like Richard at, at Richard Childress Racing. Um, although the expectations coming into the year for Richard Childress Racing were much different than the expectations for Front Row Motorsports. So I kind of like, to me, the expectations mean a lot because there's certain organizations who can win there's certain organizations who can't win. Plain and simple. And so I, I sort of like having the a different point scale. So we, what we decided to do this week this week was have a scale called great, good, okay, bad, or should have stayed home is the final category. Great, obviously, top echelon, sec, number two groups, and the good group, then you got okay, bad, and should have stayed home. Now what I'm going to do here, John, is um, sort of break it down like we have in the years past. Hendrick Motorsports we'll start it off with, and then we'll go through each team and give you why we sort of graded Hendrick Motorsports the way we did. Um, I'll start off. I have Hendrick Motorsports as okay. Listen, uh, the 48 I have as good, the 24 I have as great, and the other two, the 5 and the 88, as okay. They have struggled out of the gate. Yes, they the 88 and the 48 performed really well at Texas Motor Speedway, and that sort of saved them. Um but I need to see more from them on a consistent basis. You know, the five hasn't been good for three years now. The 88, you know, maybe he's starting to get some momentum here. The 48, obviously, they're coming off the championship, and the 24 has been really good. He's been consistent all year. But other than that, you know, one race for the 48 has been really good this year. Other than that, they've really struggled. The 88 struggled. The five, like we said, they're sort of out on their own island, it seems like, lately. Um, where did you put Hendrick Motorsports, John? I have him just as okay. Same here. Um Jimmy Johnson, his win, I mean, he wasn't even dominant in the win. He got, I mean, sort of got lucky by the way the pit strategy going into the third stage because Ryan Blaney was a dominant car at Texas. Um, Junior's been, I think Junior's the one who's been bad. He's been out to lunch. They have not been fast. They've not been competitive. Um, He's 20th in points. And, I mean, you look, he's behind Eric Almarola, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., and Trevor Bain, people who we were expecting to be in the eh, not so good pile. Good point. I think Kane's been good for the way they were last year. I mean, last year they were so far out to lunch they didn't lead a lap all season. And yes, they're seventeenth in points. And he's been he's been regularly consistent. He's been decent. Chase Elliott, oh yeah, he's the one he's the uh, lead dog at Hendrick Motorsports. He's been running up front all year long. He has two playoff points. He has two stage wins. He's 17 behind the leader. So you got to give him a great category. I mean, he's already basically – he. it's going to be tough for him not to make make the playoffs. I mean, he's 100 and 147 points up on 16th place, seven right. races in. So it's going to be tough for him not to make the playoffs. And, goodness, you got to think – Elliot is going to find Victor Lane from now until Richmond. I mean, he's run too good not to, and I just think he will find Victor Lane at least once, um, you know, 
before we get to Richmond and before we get to the chase because he's just been that consistent and that good. And, uh, you know, it's been the last couple of years we've seen that 24 car sort of, you know, take off a little bit here and run really good. Um, okay. The next team I have on my list is Team Penske. They're two, we're gonna, I'm going to do them as two-car operation, then we're going to do Wood Brothers next, obviously, because they're sort of one and the same, but they're different race teams. Uh, Team Penske, the two the two and the 22, I have them as great at Team Penske. The two team as great, and the 22 car as good. We haven't seen nearly as, as good at the 22 car as we've seen in as the two car has been. But that two car has been, you know, there's been really, I think, four teams, John, that have been really, really good this year. And one of them is Brad Kozlowski in that two car. They run good in the mile and a half. They run good in the short tracks. They run good everywhere. And I expect them to do the same throughout the year. They are a championship contender this year, no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, they are, and that's what puts Team Penske as great. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, Team Penske's great. Um, I was listening to Keselowski on Moody today. He has scored stage points in every stage of the race except the first stage at Auto Club Speedway in California because they got in that early wreck, but they still almost made a 10th place in the first stage. They've been solid all season. Two wins, locked into the playoffs. Right now they'd be the top seed whenever they – I mean, they'd probably reseed everything. They'd be right there toward the front. But, I mean, it's been solid. Joey Logano's run really good all year. He's had a couple mishaps that have cost him, but he's run good all year. Um, he's won a stage. He's been up there. I mean, he's fifth in points right now. It's a solid operation at Penske Racing, or Team Penske has going on. And it's only going to get better. I mean, Keselowski, he's run 14 times at Bristol. He's finished in the top 10, 10 times. So, I mean... Don't expect anything different this weekend. The only time he hasn't finished in the top 10, he's got caught up in somebody else's mess. Um, Logano runs really good at Bristol. Both mm-hmm. of them run really good at Richmond. I mean, I don't see a flaw in both of those drivers until we hit the road course and they keep getting better at them. They do, and, and that's the thing about this organization. Um, not only, obviously, they're only two-cooperation, but they can win at any time and anywhere, Logano included. And, and Joey's really grown, like we said earlier in the show, since his time at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, he's really grown. He can win any time, anywhere. So can Kozlowski. It doesn't matter what kind of racetrack. Well, he's not a short track. He win, he'll win there. Um, and I think that two team, the statement of their season was all close to be way. You mentioned that. Uh, where they got in that wreck early and they fought back and they had damage on their race car and still managed to finish second. I thought that was a statement of their season. Wood Brothers Racing, I have them next. I have them as good. Brian Blaney's had a good year. He's been fast a lot. He's, I think he's qualified on the outside of the front row maybe three times now this year. They've had a lot of speed. They've run well. They, they dominated the first two stages of the race at Texas Motor Speedway, but they, can, they just cannot seem to put it all together and have a couple of solid, you know, three, four solid weekends in a row uh, for whatever the reason, whether it's bad luck, whether it's overshooting a pit stall or a car falling off the jack. Uh, you know, getting involved in somebody else's mess, blowing an engine that's not your, you know, which we saw that team do a lot last year. So they're good. That's the only thing that's keeping them from the greatest that they just haven't been able to put it all together, John. What are your thoughts on that? I think right now when you look at how the teams, all the teams perform this season, I'd have to give them a good plus or a great minus. I mean, they're borderline good, great. I mean, he's six in points. 
He's he won the first two st- stages at Texas Motor Speedway. He's been up front. I mean, he was leading part of the last lap at Daytona, and then he ran out of gas. I mean, it seemed like everybody ran out of gas before Kurt Busch finally got there. But he was competitive everywhere. I mean, he's been fast. The only place he's really been out to lunch was Martinsville. I mean, Martinsville, a lot of people are out to lunch. But, I mean, a couple cut, a cut tire or a blown engine, it's not, that's nothing that Blaney or the team's done. I mean, they've put a solid season together. They're sixth in points. You have to give them a good plus or a great minus. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just think they eventually will figure it out and put it all together. Um, so I think until they do that, I'm going to leave them at good. Furniture Racing is next. Um, I have them as a whole as good. I know you're going to go. They're probably gonna, you're probably going to go crazy. And I think Truex is one of those guys who, um, like I said there was four guys who have really performed this year. I think it's been Kozlowski, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Larson. Those have been the four standout drivers this year. I truly believe that as far as being consistent through seven races, who I think you look at it through seven races as one of those four will be the champion at Homestead. Um, I think he's been great, Trex. I think that 78 car has been really, really good. The only thing bringing him down is that 77. And it's not, not that the team's been performing horribly. It's just they got a rookie driver in there, figure it out, and he'll probably be in the chase uh, come come chase time, or in the playoffs, however we want to raise it now. Uh, I think he's a very good driver. He just has, you know, through seven races, you sit there and go, eh, they haven't been as good as their teammate yet. I don't think anybody expects them to do that, but they've been good. So that's why Furniture Racing have as good. 78 team is great, and the 77 car as good. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's Again, it's sort of the same grade I gave uh, the Wood Brothers. It's a good plus, great minus. Like you said, Truex is right there all season long. He's run great. He's third in points. The sort of surprise, I mean, everybody thought Eric Jones was going to be a solid cup driver, but not everybody thought it was going to be this year. A lot of rookie growing pains. You saw Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney last year. They're really good. Look at them the way they're going this year. Eric Jones has outperformed what both of them did last year at this point, and it if you look at it, he would be in the playoffs today because he's 14th in points. Uh, he's performed well. I think he's done better than expected. So, again, I think Furniture Row is – I'd give him probably a good plus, but I think they're going to be great by the time midseas, by the time we hit the all-star race. I agree with that. I truly do believe that. I think Jones will be hitting his stride, no doubt about it. I think it was a little bit of growing pain, second car – First time the team ever went to second two teams, and they just haven't run as as good as the seventy eight car. But we've seen speed; they've been fine. But that seventy eight car's been at a whole another level compared to uh, you know the rest of the field. Joe Gibbs Racing is next. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this team. Um, I have them as okay. Uh, the eleven car as okay. The eighteen is good. They've you know the eighteen's been the only car that we've really seen compete for wins this year. Um, the nineteen is bad. Suarez has struggled. He's got a couple of top tens, but he sort of, you know, uh, got them towards the end of a race. Struggled at Martinsville, struggled at Texas. And I have the 20 car as okay. For some reason, John, this team just has not performed the way they, we've seen in the last couple of years, whether they're down on horsepower, whether they're down on the, hem, the new lower downforce package. They haven't really been able to figure out yet 
Um, so I only have them as okay. What are your thoughts? I have them as bad. On Joe Gibbs' standards, this is a bad year. Um, Matt Kenseth has no business being a 22nd and hasn't led a lap yet this year. Let me say that again. Matt Kenseth, who won six races three years ago, has not led a lap this year. And he's not even, I mean, he's just not there. They've had a few times where they've run really well and they've worked strategy to get themselves towards the top 10. Kenseth has been out to lunch most of the year. And I think a lot of it, not just the new downforce package, I think it's a new Toyota nose that they haven't figured out. And we saw last year with the alliance between Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Row Racing, everybody had the same stuff whenever it came out of the Joe Gibbs shop. And what the engineering folks out of Furniture Row do with it after they get their hands on it is they've made it better. And Gibbs hasn't caught up to Furniture Row, and they're making stuff that's beating themselves. I think uh, Daniel Suarez, yeah, he's not he's not good. He's almost a should have stayed home or should have stayed in the Xfinity Series for another year. He's 23rd in points, a uh, point behind Matt Kenseth, but he's not been very competitive at all. Uh, Denny Hamlin's been a disappointment. He's 16th. He wasn't, there was no real Denny Hamlin sightings. You usually expect him. Okay. We're at Martinsville. It's between Denny Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson and neither of them were fighting for it there. We'll see next week when they go to Richmond, because that's the Denny Hamlin palace. We'll see if there's anything to be writing home about there. Kyle Busch has been good, but, at the Gibbs standards, it's not so good. I mean, he's led a lot of laps, but he hasn't put the finishes together. He doesn't have – he has one stage point that he won, and that was, I believe, at Daytona. Right. He won the first stage yeah, at Daytona. So, I, I mean, did, yeah. he, he um, hasn't done anything great. He's led some laps, but they haven't been able to put a full race together. So I'd give Gibbs, according to Joe Gibbs Racing standards, it's a bad season. Hey, that's a fair. I think it's a fair grade. I have him as okay, but I toyed between bad and okay because, uh, you know, the only thing that's saving him, I think, a little bit is the 18 that has performed a little bit. So I put them up because it's not like they've had all four teams just be completely irrelevant this year. The 18's actually, we've seen some. We've actually seen the 18 car this year, but listen, I agree with you on Hamlin. I thought Hamlin's performance at Texas was. A, a disaster, and all came the head that Texas it seemed like for for Joe Gibbs Racing because they just uh, did not. None of them ran good there, and like I said, this is uh, they had a week off, sort of regroup, refocus, get focused in on what they need to do. Short tracks, they got three really good drivers over there, and a rookie in Suarez who is eventually going to be good, but it's raw, no doubt about it. Um, and I think these next three can sort of get the momentum on their side and, and maybe reevaluate this after the three races. Chip Ganassi racing is next. Listen, I have them as great. Uh, I think if I told you that before Daytona, that seven races after the year, I'd have them as great. I think you would laugh and say, yeah, right. But that 42 car has been, aside from Martinsville, has been great this year. I mean, they have been the top team. They finished second again at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, they weren't as dominant at Texas or run as good early in the, in the run at Texas Motor Speedway, like we've seen from that out of the other racetracks, but they figured it out and finished in the second spot. I've, I have McMurray in a one car as good 
We haven't seen the speed and, and the dominance from the one cars we've seen from the 42. Maybe it's a little unfair to put that much pressure on them. But, listen, that 42 car has been maybe the best car this year. Um, so Chip Ganassi Racing is great, John. Kyle Larson's finished first or second in six of the seven races. So, I mean, without a doubt, Kyle Larson is great. He's been doing everything. Him and Chad Johnson have clicked since they hooked up, and they just keep getting better. And I think some of it rubbed off on McMurray, which he's eighth in points. So for a Chip Ganassi racing by Chip Ganassi standards of what we've seen in the past, I give the team a great grade. Uh, Murray's outperforming expectations, and Larson is finally coming into the own, coming into his own, and if you listen to Tony Stewart preached about him for years coming up, Kevin Harvick said he's the best to come into the sport since Jeff Gordon. And that's pretty impressive considering uh, Kevin Harvick's best friend is Tony Stewart, who has three cup championships. Kyle Larson's the best Good thing point. to come into the cup series since Jeff Gordon, according to Kevin Harvick. McMurray, again, I think he's – I think he's outperforming expectations. I think he'll come back down toward the field a little more because McMurray's a 12th to 16th place driver. I don't think he has the talent that Kyle Larson does. I think he's got the same equipment that Kyle Larson does, and the equipment has stepped up at Chip Ganassi Racing this year. I just don't think he has the talent. I, I can agree with that for sure. I just think um, what we've seen from, from Larson this year through seven races – you know, aside from maybe 2010, when Jamie won a lot of big races that year, uh, we haven't really seen Jamie perform that way as where he's been dominant for a seven-race period like we've seen from that 42 car and Kyle Larson this year. Uh, next team on the list is Richard Childress Racing, an interesting team because, you know, they got to win this year, their first win in a couple of years. Ryan Newman won, um, obviously, and, and stayed, they stayed out and did a great job and got their victim down here. So, I, you know, I have them as just okay. The three, we, I don't think they've been as good through seven races this year as they were last year. We saw some brilliance, some, some nice signs of Austin Dillon last week at Texas. But here's this car that I've kind of scratched my head about, and it's been Paul Menard. Even at Daytona, and I know he finished in the top five there, Menard wasn't very good all weekend there. It just seemed like uh, that 27 sort of had an anchor tied to the back of it, and they just weren't very fast. And he's been bad this year. And they got a new crew chief over there at Matt Borland, and maybe it's taken a little bit more time to get the lingo with Menard and Borland and, and sort of get, you know, used to each other. But, man, they I think – I thought, you know, Menard's never really been a championship contender. He's never won a lot of races in Cup. But this is a guy who I think we all thought, well, he'll maybe contend for the chase. If things stay the way they are now, that car's not even close to the chase. Uh, so it's been a very disappointing seven races for Paul Menard. And then, of course, you got Ryan Newman, who, like I said, won a race this year, uh, did a great job, and I have him as good. So the three-car okay, the 27 as bad, and the 31 car as good. What are your thoughts there on Richard Childress Racing? I think you've hit it on the head. Uh, I don't understand why Matt Borland hasn't clicked with Paul Menard yet. Matt Borland is a quality crew chief. He ran, things ran well with him crew chiefing for Ryan Newman forever at Team Penske. He did well working with Kurt Busch for a little bit over at 
Stuart Haas Racing, and also he worked with Danica a little bit over at Stuart Haas Racing. He worked with the F1 team at Stuart Haas Racing, and they got points out of the gate. I mean, at Haas, I mean, when at Gene Haas's F1 team, um, they got points out of the gate in the F1 series, which is hardly ever done. I just don't understand why they haven't clicked. I do understand that Paul Menard's in this ride because Daddy's paying for it. And I mean, don't don't get don't get me wrong. It takes unbelievable skill to be able to be one of the forty drivers out there. But I think there's a few guys in the Xfinity series who might have more talent than Paul Menard, but they don't have the credit card. I think Austin Dillon. It's a disappointment this year because they ran really good last year and they can't figure it out. I think Slugger Labby's a heck of a crew chief. I mean, you look what him and Paul Menard did a few years ago. They made the playoffs. They won an Indy. Slugger Labby and Paul Menard did well together. They did okay. He did okay with Austin Dillon last year. He getting them into the playoffs. I think Paul Menard's out to lunch. I think Dillon's borderline bad. 21st in points when he was in the top 10 at this point last year. I think Newman's good. Uh, him and Luke Lambert finally got the monkey off their back. They finally got a win for Richard Childress race. And team has been running well since the win. I expect yeah. them to continue to run well, but I don't think the other two, I think they're too far gone already. That's interesting because it's a team I think that's taken a step down this year from where they were a year ago, even though they got their win. And even when you look at Newman, yeah, Newman got his win at Phoenix, and they did very well. That was a great strategy called by Luke Lambert, and they had a really good race car. But they were probably going to finish in the top, back in the top ten, maybe six to eight there at Phoenix, which would have been a very good run for them. But other than that, they have one top ten finish this year, and that was in eighth place at Martinsville. So it's not like they've come out and been very consistent either so far this year. Uh, that's 31 car. So keep that in mind as the season goes along. Next team is Rash Fenway Racing. And then you know, interesting here as well. Um, I'm going to put the 17 car where I kind of put the 21. Um, I think they have the potential to be very good in, in, in the good category, but they haven't put it all together yet. They just haven't seemed to sort of, you know, wrap their arms around the season yet. They've had a lot of terrible luck, but they've shown some nice speed. They've shown some nice, you know, be able to run in the, towards the back in the top 10 or even in the top 10 for most weekends. So I have Rash Fenway Racing as good. The six cars have been a pleasant surprise. They've run very good this year. I think Bain, uh, you know, maybe a little bit higher in points than a lot of people expect him to be. So he's good. And then you got Stenhouse as just okay. But the team in general, as good, because I think the speed is there. What are your thoughts? I think Rash Fenway Racing, for their standards over the past few years, is good. I think Stenhouse... Like you said, he has the potential. I think he's gone to four backup cars already this year. And it shows the uh, ability of the team and what they're bringing to the track. If they can go to four backup cars and still stay ahead of Dale Jr., Matt Kenseth, Ty Dillon in points, they're doing really well. I mean, he's only seven points back behind Almarola, and he's only 12 points out of 16th. And he's rolled four backup cars out and put them on the track and scored well. Trevor Bain, again, he's one of those early guys. He does well in the first part of the season. He teases you. You get to thinking he's going to be all right. And then the summer hits and he goes backwards. It's like they put a boat anchor in. I think both of them have been good by Roush Fenway standards over the past few years, but the jury's still out. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I think they've taken a step in the right direction. Your point of being is well taken. I think, you know, he's only got one top ten finish this year, uh, every race except for two this year. So they've been pretty consistent. They haven't been great. Um, you know, Stenhouse's run has, I think, been a little bit better as far as speed is concerned, but they just haven't put it all together. Last team we're going to do here, John, before we talk and preview Bristol, if there's racing this weekend at Bristol, um, is JTG Daughter Racing. And we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll put my whole results on Facebook and if you want to look um, as far as our team grade so far, because uh, I do I did do every team. But last thing we're going to talk about on the show is JTG Daughter Racing, a 47 car and a 37 car, 47 of A.J. Almendinger, 37 of Chris Buescher. Um, I, I think JTG's been okay. I think they sort of struggled out of the gate initially as far as going to a two-car operation. But they've, I think, rebounded a little bit. The last two races have been pretty good. Martinsville was good for them. I think Texas, we saw some speed from the 37 that we didn't see earlier on in the year. So I have them as okay in both teams as okay. I think they've, you know, taken a step back this year, no doubt about it. Maybe it's because RCR's equipment isn't as good, or maybe it's just the fact that they spread themselves a little too thin due to two teams. What are your thoughts there on JTG Daughter Racing? I think uh, Almondinger's been good because you look at him, he's 25th in points, and you go, oh, that's not great. He had a 35-point penalty because of lug nuts. So he should be 19th in points with 35 more points. So he's run well. Busher, it's still the learning curve. I mean, it's his second year in cup with his second team. And he's learning a new crew chief, learning new equipment. He drove Ford last year, driving Chevy this year for a team that he doesn't even belong to. I don't know how much they let him into the meetings because he still belongs to Roush. I don't know what they tell him. I don't know what he gets, what input he gets. So he's sort of the redheaded stepchild on this team. He's doing well with the equipment he has and what he probably knows. And he'll do better as the season goes on. But 27th in points for Chris Busher is about where I expected him to be. Almondinger's run pretty good. Take away that penalty. He's been solid this year. So I give them Fair a point. good performance for them. Yeah, and he's been out of scooch for three races, too. Keep that in mind as well. Um, over lug nuts, which is crazy. Uh, real quick, John, a lot of rain in the forecast at Bristol that should be interesting. But they got the uh, you know sticky substance on the bottom lane again this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the racing we're going to see at Bristol real quick? I hope we see passing on both sides. I hope they can go too wide. I know the old days, they loved it whenever it was bump and run to get out of the way, but to me, that's not racing. That's uh, that's bumper cars. That's smash-up derby. I'd rather see them pass where they're not wrecking each other. Uh, look out for uh, Joe Gibbs Racing to rebound this week, but also don't count out Keselowski. Yeah, I agree. I think Team Penske will be on on their game as well. And I heard the sticky substance is a little bit higher in the corners than it has been than it was last year, which would be interesting, something to keep an eye on. But whether or not we get it in, lots of rain in the forecast this weekend for all three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Hopefully it holds off. I want to thank John Harlow from SpeedwayMedia.com for, for being a great co-host again this week. And we'll see you next week on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.